Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, the strong and powerful Sophia Berra. Sophia, are you ready to do this? I'm excited. Thanks so much for having me. Excellent. Let's do this. Sophia is a certified financial planner, the founder of Gen Y Planning. She's been named to Investment News' Top 40 Under 40, Financial Advisor Magazine's 10 Young Advisors to Watch, and 10 of the best personal finance experts on Twitter. I'm excited to have you on. Sophia, tell us a little bit about your personal life, your professional background, and why you do what you do. I am from uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and we are both Minnesotans, which I love that you that you reached out and noted that right away. <laughs> um, and we both also escaped the cold, so I feel like there's that bond over um, not just being from the Midwest, but also having escaped the Midwest winters, that's for sure. So I live in Austin, Texas. I love it here. I moved about two years ago, and I I joke that I'm not your father's financial planner. So I got the profession about 10 years ago, but before that, I was a theater kid. So I was a theater major in college and was determined not to be a starving artist. So I used to sit in the personal finance section of Barnes & Noble and read every book I could get my hands on about money and finance and business and professional development, personal growth, and just really decided that I wanted to buy a house when I graduated from college, and I did. And then my friends were coming to me with their money questions, and I discovered this CFP program and decided to start taking my CFP classes, and in my second class, I met my future boss. And he ended up hiring me and I got my foot in the door at a financial father-son financial planning firm and did that for a few years and then worked for a fee-only RIA and then worked for a startup in New York for a year. And now Gen Y Planning has been in business the last five years. So I quit my job at a startup to launch my own company so I could really help millennials make smart financial decisions. And I, and I really am passionate about if people get a little bit of quality financial advice early on, that that's just a game changer for their careers, for their finances. Um, they can you know really have compound interest work in their favor. And so now it's really fun. I work with about 60 young clients across the country that are from their early 20s to their early 40s. Uh, I'm 34 and so it's kind of fun. All my clients are within 10 years of my age. And it's been a blast. I feel very fortunate to be doing this and to have my own business and to also get to dabble in some other fun things as well, like financial writing and speaking gigs. And, you know, the, the speaking really brings me back to my yeah, my theater roots, which is great. Um, but I'm also location independent. I love to travel. I'm super passionate about seeing the world and being able to, you know, spend time with my friends and family when I want to and where I want to. They're all kind of spread out now. So it's really nice to have have the location independence and the flexibility in order to do that. Foodie, I love eating at new restaurants. And um, so most of my money, my discretionary income goes to travel or or eating out and also seeing theater. So yeah, that's a little bit about me and what I do, and um, I'm just excited to be here and, and be able to connect with your audience today. That's awesome. And yes, it is always good to connect with people who understand what Minnesota winters are like. So, 
I like, I'm such a baby now, like <laughs> about the cold. It's so funny. It's been like gloomy and a little cold in Austin the past few months. And so I ended up like going to Mexico for my birthday. And like, I booked two Mexico trips within a month of each other because I was like, nope, I'm ready to like get out of town for a few days. Uh, I need some sunshine. So that's been, that was a lot of fun. Nice. And what a neat opportunity as technology is certainly changing every aspect of our world, but certainly changing the financial advisory, financial planning world where you're able to have clients all over the country if that were something you were interested in. So very cool. Yeah. And, it's, and that's what I do. Like, that's the thing that's really fun is being able to work with people all over and, and connect with like-minded individuals. I just, I have the coolest clients that have really interesting jobs and are doing, running cool businesses and um, it's just really fun to connect with them. And you, you mentioned that a lot of your clients are within 10 years of, of you. So, you know, 25 to 45, that's, that's, that's a, a good healthy age range of people. And this is always a, it's, it, it's a big question, but what is it, what are some common things that you find keep people up at night? Um, I think the big thing is that people are going through a lot of life changes and those big life changes have financial implications. And so when people are talking about things like getting engaged, getting married, buying a home, having a baby, those, those things are, are costly and they are those big life changes often inspire people to start reaching out to a financial planner and getting some more guidance around their money. You know, especially when you look at the cost of home buying now, people could be making a million dollar decision, right? So if they're buying a home that's $600,000 over the life of the mortgage, they're looking at in dollars, you know, a million dollar decision. And, and I think that that's very different from the decisions that our families made previously, our parents made, right? I have clients that are debating, you know, do I want to go back to grad school to get an MBA or to law school? Or people who are, you know, maybe just graduated from law school and are navigating six figures in student loan debt. So I think the big thing, you know, how do I build that, that financial foundation? And once I once I'm there, what's next? So some people are coming to me when they're trying to get out of debt, build up savings, start, you know, get on track for retirement. And other people come to me when they maybe just paid off their debt and they're wondering, okay, so I paid off my debt. Do I put more of my 401k? Do I start a Roth IRA? Do I save money for a down payment on a home? And usually the answer is a little bit of everything, right? It's not just you know, I think when you're working with baby boomer clients, it's more focused on, you know, investments and retirement. And that's really where the financial planning is based. But with my clients, it's about um, tax planning. It's about maximizing their company benefits. It's about um, saving for these short-term goals while also planning for the future, starting 529 plans for their kids paying off the last of their student loan debt. So I have a lot of fun because I don't, I feel like I get to do, I get to figure out how to make all the puzzle pieces work. 
But I think oftentimes we don't step back and say, what do we want the picture on the box to look like? And I think really aligning, you know, working with my clients and spending those first few meetings diving deep on goals and values is so important. And I think that that's a huge step that a lot of people miss when they're first diving into their own finances on their own is they're not really taking a step back to do that visualization piece and that piece of you know, what, what is our ideal? What will, you know, what is going to make us happy? And, and so once we really do some of that, then it's really fun to say, okay, here's some ideas and strategies I have for how we can get there even faster. I think that that's awesome advice and definitely true. Life today is different than it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, certainly 40 years ago, and probably will continue to get even more and more different. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was I wanted to talk to you about is I, I never want to, well, I don't want to call it procrastination, but it's more a matter of I'm just not thinking about this stuff until something comes up. Like you were mm-hmm. saying, I bought a house, I got married, I had a kid, and that's when maybe I'm going to start thinking about doing some planning. But then it's piecemeal. And to your point, maybe it would be a benefit to people to take that step back and say, okay, here's really where I want to get to instead of doing sort of one-off type things. Yeah, I think that's so important. I think that oftentimes people kind of fall into career. They they kind of fall into, oh, you know, I studied this in college, but then I did this thing. And then, you know, I don't know if I want to take this management role. I don't really love what I'm doing. Um, so really being able to help people navigate their careers more effectively is a, a huge part of my my job too because I think that a lot of my clients know that they're going to be working for a long time. They're early in their careers. So looking at making some moves in their 30s, for example, to have more meaningful careers or doing more work that, that they really enjoy or that they really excel at and can and want that career path and that growth. I've had a couple clients, for example, go back to school and do coding boot camps and switch careers into like UX, UI, or, you know, development and whatnot. And it's really cool to see these people, you know, take their career in a completely different direction. And that's something that like just didn't exist a decade ago. So those are some cool things that that I've seen and, and clients really have interest, really fast. A lot of my clients have had really fast growing career trajectories. So it's been fun to watch and and really be on their team for, you know, especially when we're making those switches from starting to focus on, you know, how do we max out a Roth IRA to you no longer qualify for a Roth IRA. Now what? And making those types of financial decisions as well. How can we, you know, continue to save for retirement in a 401k or in a SEP IRA if they own their own business? And a lot of times people just don't know what different things are available to them. I'm talking to clients a lot about HSAs now. Um, So that's really fun as well. It does seem like people are no longer have this traditional career path of, I work for the same company for for a long time. It's really common for people to have four or five jobs before they're the age of 25. So if you could encourage people to have, I guess the, a better question is, what kind of conversations or things would you encourage people to be thinking about as they consider taking on more student loan to student debt to go to graduate school or to continue in their current career path? Do you have specific advice that you give? Yeah. So first I ask people what it is that they really want to do. 
and then interview people that actually have those jobs that they desire and then ask those people what the best way, if they could do it over again, what's the best way that they would recommend to have a be in a position like they are? Because what's interesting is sometimes those are the people that are like, oh, I wouldn't have got my MBA, I would have got this certificate, or I would have got more training in this area, or there's, you know, I had a client that was debating between like a, a MBA and, um, a more kind of specialized masters in, it was more like technology or kind of bringing some different types of, you know, it was more like highly specialized. And he ended up going with this other program that was half as much as getting his MBA, but more highly specialized. So I think that oftentimes start with the end goal in mind. What is that, that job that you really want? And there might be you know, a different way that you could go about getting your foot in the door at that company that might lead you to a career path that doesn't actually involve go, going back to school or being with a company that will then pay for you to go back to school to, to you know, pay for part of your graduate degree. Also, I think to run the numbers into the amount of debt that you're taking on. So, you know, I had a, a client couple um, where she really wanted to go back to school to get her MBA, ended up getting accepted into this amazing program. They were able to live her husband's income while she was going to school full time. And also they paid for one semester out of pocket just with cash instead of taking out that last like, a, you know, student loan. And so we, you know, we're at, she's probably leaving grad school with a significantly less amount in student loans than her peers are because they were also taking out student loans to pay for expenses, not just tuition, whereas they were able to live off of one salary, take out student loans, and then also make a clear plan of, okay, as you know, she landed that new job, as soon as she gets those first few paychecks, we're gonna refinance those student loans um, with a private lender and aggressively pay those off even faster. So really, really thinking through, not just am I gonna go back to school, but then how much, you know, how much do I really need to take out in student loans? Because what a lot of people don't realize is grad plus loans have an origination fee that's I think over 3%. And when those loans are at six, you know, close to 7%, you're looking at 10% on that borrowed money. So if you can avoid taking out even one or two semesters of those grad plus loans, you'll avoid not only that interest rate, but also that origination fee. And then in addition to that, if you can refinance or those student loans with a private lender and cut that repayment period down from 10 years or 20 years down to you know seven years or five years, that again is gonna save you even more interest over the life of the loan. And then the other thing too is to really, you know, we really ran the analysis for her up front of she would basically be doubling her income by going to grad school. You know, and so she really wanted to she was very clear about the the income potential that she would have once she graduated. Whereas some people might already be making six figures and getting an MBA or a graduate degree might not actually lead to that much more income. 
Um, so, you know, I'm really hesitant when people are, you know, in lower paying careers to really encourage them to go back to school. Um, because sometimes the numbers just don't, don't make sense because you also have to factor in that you're out of the workforce for a few years, which means you might not be contributing to the 401k or retirement accounts that you were contributing to. And you might have some catching up to do once you, um, once you do graduate. And are you going to be able to do that with having high student loan payments at the same time? There's a lot of great information there for sure. Um, so thank you for that. I think the first thing that I really took away from from what you said was find out, seek out somebody who has the job that you're interested in or whatever company that or industry you think that you'll be able to have access to with an advanced degree. Find somebody who's doing it and interview them or ask them some questions. And that's an easy thing to do these days with social media. I think that if you went on LinkedIn and found somebody at the company or has the job and you reached out, they'd probably be happy to talk with you. Right. Yeah, I, and I think just those as many informational interviews you can do, the better. Because also asking them, what does your day to day look like? Because, for example, in the medical field, I think there's a lot of young people that go into medicine wanting to become doctors. But what they, if they were to interview a few more doctors, some nurses, and then maybe some physician assistants, or maybe some nurse practitioners they might actually figure out, oh, what I, what I really wanna do is work with patients. And where can I work with patients, you know, the most, or, you know, and it might be being a PA and being like a physician's assistant or a nurse practitioner. And those degrees don't require nearly the amount of education that being a doctor does and the amount of student loans that being a doctor does. And you might really have a lot less control of your schedule as a doctor than you would as a physician's assistant or a nurse practitioner where you're working a little bit more um, hours that are a little bit more, you know, I guess family friendly. You know, if you, I think that there's a lot of people that realize, man, I don't want to work a ton of these intense shifts or have a really, really intense schedule. Um, but I really want to see patients. I want to help people. I really want to, you know, I really love the medical profession, but it's like, if you can figure that out earlier on in your career, it might take you on this path that you didn't really know existed, but that might be a way better fit for you from a work-life balance perspective. Um, I think that a lot of times people don't think about their day-to-day and what that job is actually going to look like. For example, if you don't want a job where you're you know, behind a computer all interviewing people and finding out what those different roles look like and how much of those people you know, what that work actually looks like is really important because I think sometimes people get there and they're like, oh, I thought I would have more time, you know, outside of the office or, and I don't, I'm behind a computer a lot. Um, and so I think that's important too. And, and also sometimes there's careers that, for example, nursing where you're working second shift or overnight shifts that, but maybe you're working four days a week instead of you know, five days a week, and that may may or may not be a perfect fit for you. So I just think that really talking to people that are in the field and getting a sense of what their day-to-day looks like, what they love about their job, what they don't, you know, what they're not crazy about in terms of their career. Um, I know a lot of people that love teaching and thought they wanted to be professors, but when they got into academia, there was a lot of, um, you know, red tape and a lot of 
different rules and different, they really had to learn this, this structure that, that they ended up saying, you know, like, wow, if I had known all of this, I might've gone this different path into creating online courses or creating workshops and, you know, and speaking and doing more of that to have a little bit more flexibility as opposed to being tied to a certain curriculum or being tied to, you know, just like chasing tenure tracks or tenure positions or whatnot, um, or having to move multiple times to be able to get a, you know, a, a job as a professor at different, different universities in order to advance their career in, in the desired way. So I just think there's a lot of those things that are stories I've heard from my clients that I wouldn't have even thought about had had they not you know given me that insight into their career and so I think there's a ton that that we can learn just by having those deeper conversations that maybe can help us like lead us in a little bit different angle that we wouldn't have thought about had we not talked to some people that are actually doing what we thought we wanted to be doing really really good advice and I think that while our lives are very very long they're not so long that we can recover from making a huge decision about a career like going to getting an advanced degree and then not being happy with it so it makes a lot of sense to do a little bit more work on the front end so right thank you for that you're welcome well Sophia Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip what do you have for them ooh okay so my pro tip is read your company benefits package and really look through ways to maximize your company benefits. Um, and I also have a, and I can send you um, a link to kind of how we take people through maximizing their company benefits and kind of a do it yourself version of that. But one of the ways that I think that I really help save my clients the most money is doing a deep dive into their company benefits package. We look for things like you know, do you have a 401k match? Are you at least taking advantage of your 401k match so you're not leaving free money on the table? Have a, you know, transit card that you can buy with pre-tax dollars through work if you're taking public transportation to and from work every day. You might be able to buy that using pre-tax dollars. Do you have an FSA or HSA available to you, which is a flexible spending account if you're on what's known as like a PPO insurance plan? Or do you have a health savings, you know, a, um, a, so there's a flexible spending account and then a health savings account, an HSA. An HSA works in conjunction with a high deductible healthcare plan, which is also often less expensive where the premiums will be less, but sometimes your employer will kick in a little bit of money into your HSA for choosing a high deductible plan. Maybe you could get another 500 or $1,000 in your HSA also, any money you put into your FSA or HSA is tax deductible. Um, but the cool thing about HSAs versus FSAs is that that money is yours to keep. So that money rolls over from year to year and you can invest those dollars, which is even cooler. So some financial planners actually think that HSAs are the best retirement account and they're not even technically a retirement account, and that's because you get a triple tax benefit, which is the money you put into those accounts is tax deductible. You can take the money out at any time tax-free as long as it's used for qualified medical expenses, and that money can be invested in no tax deferred 
for the future. So my big tip is to take advantage of your company benefits, make sure you're maximizing those and review those from year to year because your company will change things and your life situation and circumstances will change as well. And so there are things we can do each year to really maximize our company benefits and that could save you hundreds if not thousands of valuable tax dollars just by taking advantage of what your company has to offer. Well, that is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. So, Sophia, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? You can go to genyplanning.com. And if you're interested in becoming a client, I have a short Google form that you fill out, which is genyplanning.com backslash apply. You can learn about how I work with my clients on my website. I have a free newsletter. I have an ebook called What You Should Have Learned About Money But Never Did. Um, I also love Twitter. So you can follow me there at Sophia Barra, S-O-P-H-I-A-B-E-R-A. And if you want to hit me up via email directly, my email is Sophia at GenYPlanning.com. And I definitely encourage everybody to go check out Sophia's website because there is a ton of great information on there. So... Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Sophia your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Thank you again, Sophia. Thank you so much. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.